0: You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. We've been exposing the enemy's strategies. John 10.10 says that the thief, the enemy, uh, in reference to Satan himself, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy us. And uh, the Bible says that we should not be ignorant of his plans, of his ways of doing things. He is seeking and roaming the earth looking for people to devour and to destroy. So what we've been doing is we've been taking that very seriously, and we've been exposing a few of his biggest lies. And today is our last lie of this great liar, uh, the liar who is the enemy. And um, today this is going to be dealing with the whole idea of discouragement and uh, dealing with struggles and trials and, and uh, dealing with hard times. Um, you see, it began in the garden when the enemy spoke to Adam and Eve and said, you can't trust God. You cannot. He's not trustworthy. He's holding out on you. He's trying to trick you. He doesn't really have your best in mind. And we've been exposing that lie, and we're going to continue that today. This is the last one. And the last lie is um, uh, we must avoid trials, all trials at all costs. Any kind of pain and suffering must be avoided at all costs. We a little bit touched on uh, suffering last week, but I want to follow up on this today as we head into Thanksgiving. You know, the fall uh, is is the number one time of year for suicides. Uh, it's also the number one time of year for people to, to quit and to get fired, believe it or not. Um, there's more discouragement, more um, depression, uh, not only seasonally. I mean, there's a the seasonal disorder when... Just because of the way that it gets darker, earlier, emotionally, our, we uh, it takes us like three, four months to kind of calibrate for that. Um, so, And then with the holidays, you're reminded of loved ones and family and growing up and problems. And then uh, finances as we're moving into Christmas. Uh, it's just a very stressful, stressful, stressful time. So quick survey. Uh, and you can put your hands up on this one. How many of you love... Pain and suffering. Sean. Uh, Yeah, I don't think there's anybody here that really loves pain and suffering. Now, I've got a question for you. How many of you have experienced pain or suffering of any kind? Yes. That's pretty unanimous on both ends. I don't think anybody here loves that experience, and I don't think anybody here has ever not had it. Our natural response is to obviously avoid it, to do whatever it takes. But the problem is, is that when we decide to, to avoid pain and suffering at all costs, it usually means that we will do whatever it takes to avoid trial, confrontation, pain, suffering. And uh, we, we, we tend to compromise. I mean, our whole culture is built into avoiding pain and suffering. I mean, the whole reason why we have uncontested divorces is because, we, you know, it's an easy out. You know, we look for the... There's always... Uh, we're looking for the loopholes in the contract. We're looking for the fine print to avoid uh, having to own up, pay up, or or deal with our problems. Uh, we're just looking for the way out in uh, our whole life. Uh, that's what most of us do. Uh, but... Trials are something that aren't new. Uh, Thousands of years ago, there's a guy in the Bible, a prophet named Habakkuk, and he said this, a little three-chapter minor prophet book. You should check it out. It deals with pain and suffering, but we're just going to look at two verses. In uh, chapter 1 and verse 2, he says, How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen or cry out to you. Violence, but you do not save he goes on to say that there's injustice and, and, and destruction and violence prevails and that, that the law is abused and that the wicked are, are winning. And he says, how long, God, will will, you, will it seem that you just turn your ear away or turn your eyes away? How long will I have to deal with all this, this terrible stuff in my life and in our life? God, how long? His answer, God's answer was not to run from it, but to face it. And Habakkuk's response was he faced it and he trusted God. It's a great story. Check it out. Uh, we actually did a s- series on that a f- couple of years ago. I believe it's online. Um, here's how this lie is translated. Here's a couple of the top three lies, the lies we believe. Here's the first lie is that when it comes to avoiding trials or pain and suffering, we think this is that somehow we think that Christians will never suffer. Some people get this idea that somehow, if they become a Christian, that, that things are going to be rainbows and unicorns. There's going to be care bears and and uh, you know Pegasus is going to fly over your bed every morning. And that once uh, once we become a Christians, there's no problems will come our way if we just have faith, if we're just good, if we just believe life will be good we we are even taught that by by preachers and ministers and other christians maybe some of you have gotten this that somehow jesus is the prescription for what ails you and whatever you're going through you just take this this christianity pill just take the the jesus pill and 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 everything is fixed your marriage is like boom fine and your kids are boom fine and, and your your sickness boom gone and if you're a Christian then somehow it fixes everything that's not true because what a lot of times is that when when we feel that those things aren't fixed when we believe that lie then somehow we buy the other lie that, that we're doing something wrong and maybe you are but a lot of times it's not because of that sometimes we think that if something goes wrong then maybe we've done something wrong or that we lack faith, faith and that you know we just don't believe hard enough, and then guilt and condemnation comes in. Here's another life we believe is that pain and suffering mean God has let you down somehow. I mean, you know I prayed, I pray, I pray, and I asked for God to do this, and it doesn't happen, and somehow God didn't show up somehow, God let me down. It's interesting how when there's a problem in life, we blame God, right? whether you're a Christian or not, people like to blame God for everything, right. You get fired, God. How could you let me get fired? How could you let my dad die, God? How could you let me get sick? How could you let my kids, God? You know we're struggling financially. Why did you let us get into this bind? You, you, you somehow, or we somehow tend to tend to blame God. How could you get me fired? You know, God. How 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 did I end up in jail, God? Thanks for that one. Like God put you in jail, maybe. God, how did you? Let me have cancer. Ironically, we don't think that when it's someone else's problem. When somebody else has that problem, we don't go, well, God, you did that. We only feel that way when it happens to us. It's funny when the report comes back in a way that that we like. If you're a Christian, sometimes you go, man, God is good. Man, God's good. I got that parking spot, right? The the report came back negative. I am am at the doctor's office. I am good. God is good. You know, I got a promotion. God is good. But when it's just the opposite, when when something bad happens, we tend to immediately think somehow God failed. God, where are you? What have you done? Where is God? How could he? Because we buy the lie that somehow pain and suffering mean that God has let you down. Another uh, way to look at it is in Job. Uh, You might, we mentioned him last week. Uh, Go home this week and read chapter 1 and 2. And somebody, anybody text me or post it on our Facebook group what you feel like God is speaking to you about Job 1 and 2. We'd love to hear from you this week. But there's a verse in Job 2.10. Job says this, Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all of this, Job did not sin in what he said. God allowed Satan to test this godly man. Job was a godly man who honored the Lord. There was no one like him at the time. And Satan said he only loves you because you're good to him. And God knew better because God saw the heart of Job. And he allowed Satan to take everything away from Job. And Job's words were, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. That's out of Job. And all this Job did not sin at what he said. He never bought the lie that God let him down. Here's another lie is that if there is a way to avoid pain, only a fool wouldn't take it. So you think, well, it seems so obvious. I mean, if there's a way out, if there's a way to avoid it, if I don't have to talk to this person, if I can just blame or if I can just deal with this, in a, even if it's unethical immoral, moral or compromise in my values and beliefs, if there's a way out, then you'd be a fool not to take it. Well, that's a lie. We, we see this in the temptation of Jesus He's led into the wilderness by the spirit of God. Satan shows up three times tempting him with some pretty severe temptations about his power, about his authority, about his trust, about his comfort. And and at one point he says, you know, Jesus, you know, you're hungry. Who would blame you if you just turn the rock into bread? Who would blame you? Take it into your own hands. God's not looking out for you. Your father doesn't care. Take matters. You need to do this to avoid all this. He said, man, he showed him different places. He said, this could all be yours if you just worship me. I mean, who would blame you? You could avoid all of your pain and suffering in the cross that is ahead of you if you just deny your father. Who would be a fool to avoid pain and suffering if you could? Well, Sometimes that's our nature. Our nature is to run from pain. In fact, I think most of what we do in life is to avoid pain and suffering. Let's think about it. First, uh, it starts when we were a kid. Uh, Did you break that? No. Why did you lie to your parents? Because you didn't want to get spankings, right? You lie about phone calls, about text messages, about breaking stuff, about curfews. You know, when you're a kid, you grow up. And did you? I mean, you're, you only have one child in the house, maybe, and they write all over the wall. And you ask that child if they wrote on the wall, what do they say? No. And I saw this video the other day. It was hilarious. And the, this mom was videotaping, trying to confront this daughter about doing something, and the daughter's like, "I told you, I didn't do it. It was, it was a ghost." And she kept going on and on about how this ghost did it. And then finally, she fessed up. She goes, "Okay, I did it. Are you happy?" And then she goes, "I told you, I didn't do it, so I shouldn't be punished, right?" <laughs> it's like, we try to avoid pain, so we lie, we break promises because it's too hard to keep. We find ourselves in inappropriate relationships to avoid another that's hard to maintain or confront we don't deal with problems because they're too difficult and painful to address we find ourselves constantly trying to move away from anything that's painful becomes a very powerful motivator in our life and it's a lie the enemy that thinks that we should just avoid pain at all costs and do whatever it takes here's another lie, is that god doesn't care about my cares we see this all through the scriptures that God does. First Peter 5, 7 and Psalm 55 says, Cast your cares on him for he cares for you. He cares deeply about you, but somehow we think that if God is good and he's all-powerful, God can bring relief in my life, and if he doesn't, then I must not be important and that God doesn't care about me. We somehow think that if, if things don't go our way, the somehow God doesn't like us or like me. That is a lie because the enemy will whisper in your ear, God doesn't like you. You're a reject. You're a failure. You're not worthy. You're not good enough. He doesn't care really about people. He doesn't really care about you. You're too small. Your problems are too small. God's got bigger things and you're not one of them. We accept this lie. The Bible says that God is the the God of the universe. But yet he cares about every single one of us to the point that he knows every detail about our life. And he cares. There's a great illustration of this. Bless you. There's a great illustration of this. In the Bible where uh, Saul, before he became Paul, was a persecutor of, of Christians. And he would drag them out of their house and was responsible for stoning the very first martyr in the Bible. His name was Stephen. And uh, he was confronted by Jesus on a road on his way to arrest more Christians and throw them in jail and to separate families and to persecute them. And God showed up and he, and he knocked Saul off of his horse, and what he said is so revealing. He knocked him off and he says, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, I don't know about you, but if you're reading the story, you think, Saul's not persecuting you, he's persecuting people. He's persecuting Christians. He's persecuting the church. But what's revealing about that one sentence, why are you persecuting me, is that when you heard, Jesus takes a person. When you are in pain and in hurt, when you are persecuted, when you are suffering, Jesus cares deeply. He takes it personal as if he himself is in pain because he loves you deeply. Don't buy the lie that he doesn't care for you. So let's talk about the truth about pain and suffering. And then we're gonna walk out with three things today that will help us to kind of respond differently when it comes to this sort of stuff. Here's the truth. Number one, Truth, pain and suffering are not God's doing. God is not the cause of your pain or this world's suffering. A lot of times we think, well, God is the guy in charge, and he is. He is all-powerful, can do anything. His will and his plans cannot be stopped or thwarted. He does as he wishes. However, pain and suffering is not his idea, his plan, or his doing. God is always good. Deuteronomy 32, 4 says, He is the rock. His works are perfect. And his ways are just a faithful God who does no wrong upright and just is he this next verse. And there's several like it spoken by a guy who is on the run for his life for years and years and years, dodging people trying to murder him. He says this in the midst of running for his life. He says, as for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge, uh, refuge in him. This is a guy running for his life. And he didn't say, God, why? He said, God, your ways are perfect. Then the question is, where does pain and suffering come from? Well, two short answers are this. The pain and suffering are the result of a fallen angel, Satan. And pain and suffering are a result of a fallen world in sin. Let's talk about those. Satan is the tempter. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. He is uh, the accuser, and he is at war with God's creation. John 10.10, 10, we said it earlier, is it the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He shows up on the scene of God's beautiful creation to pervert and twist and lie. The enemy is a liar. He is a deceiver. He has limited power and abilities. He's only an angel who has uh, a, 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 a twisted view of God in the universe he is not equal with God. He does not have the powers of a God. He cannot create, He cannot uh, uh, you know, get into your mind or brain. He is not all-powerful. He can't be at one he, can, he cannot be at all places at one time. he can only be at one place. He is an angel. He is a creative being, but yet he's incredibly, incredibly tactful because he is a liar, deceiver, an accuser, and he accuses us and inspires us and tempts us. Pain and suffering is a result of the fallen angel named Satan. He showed up in the garden. He tempted and he lied to God's creation. There was no pain before the fall of Adam and Eve. And when things are redeemed at the return of Jesus, there will be no more pain and suffering because pain and suffering is also a result of the fallen world that we live in. Every hurricane, every, every tornado, every earthquake. Do you know there was an earthquake in the Dallas-Fort Worth area this past weekend? And uh, that was actually the second or third one in the last couple of months. Pretty crazy, huh? There's a fault line that goes right through uh, Irving, and uh, that's why there's not a lot of houses built out there. But all those earthquakes, the, the black holes, the uh, you know the death of a star uh, to to a, a tsunami. These things are a result of a world that is broken, a world that is in sin, a world that is decaying, a world that is a universe that is. It is not getting better. It is getting worse. Just like we are born, and immediately, when the, the second we're born, we're on a journey to death. So is this universe. So is everything that we see because this place is broken. It's in decay. And as a result, there is sin. There is suffering. There is disease. Romans 5.12 says, Just as sin entered the world through one man, that's Adam, and through sin, his sin, in the same way death came to all people, because all sin, Romans goes on to say that the whole of all creation cries out for the day of redemption because they are all decaying. James one thirteen says, No one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone, but each one of us is tempted when we are carried away and enticed by our own lust because of our fallen world, because of this fallen nature, because of the sin that's in our heart and our life. We are a big part of the pain and suffering in this world. You know, a lot of the pain and suffering that we experience is because of human beings being evil people, because we're letting our sin nature dictate our desires and our actions From disasters to diseases to black holes, sin brought decay, and we make dumb choices that hurt ourselves and others. Because of that, there is pain, there is suffering. God is not the author. We need to settle this in our heart right now. God is not the author of pain and suffering, and it's not his doing. And simply because God uses something does not mean he caused something. Romans uh, 8.28 says, All things work to good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose two things Do you love god and are you called are you his are you a believer and do you love him you know what if that's the case then whatever you go through whatever hell you might face god will work it out for your benefit if you love him and are called according to his purpose however just because he uses it does not mean that he caused it we need to settle this stop blaming god for your problems stop blaming god for your Own poor mistakes or others in your life who make poor mistakes. Here's another truth that we need to realize about pain and suffering. We need to expect suffering in this life. You need to expect it. If you think in any way that you're going to make it through life, young people, without a serious tragedy, then you're mistaken. If you are young and married and think, man, my marriage is going to be like a dream from this day forward. pop, that's, that's bubble popping, bursting. You need to realize that this life is all about getting through to the life that is greater. This is a temporary, this is a birth canal for eternity. And there's going to be a lot of pain and travail here in this life. John sixteen thirty three. Jesus, the creator of the universe. This is what he said. God said, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Turn to your neighbor and say, you will have trouble. But listen to this next part. Jesus says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So no matter how troublesome your life comes to become, no matter matter how hard, no matter how difficult Jesus has overcome, this is not the end. This is not the final destination. This is not how it has to be. There is a a better place, a brighter future. There is a greater hope. He says, you will have trouble." He was talking to his own disciples. He was talking of those that entrusted their life to Jesus. Jesus says, you who are mine, you in this room who have given your life to Christ, who have followed Christ in this life, you will have trouble. You would not if you will have trouble. You need to expect that. Be prepared for that. Know that He has overcome that trouble. Here's the third thing you need to realize. That if you can avoid pain ethically, then do it. But if you can't, embrace it. Learn to bloom where you're planted. But if you can get free, take it. And this is a big thing. Because there's nothing wrong with avoiding trials and problems. If you can do do it ethically and do it morally and do it godly. But if you can't, you need to embrace it. This is what... A, a, a kind of a controversial passage in First Corinthians 7. He's talking to servants and slaves. He's talking to people who are, who are Christians, who are slaves. And he says this, each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. He says, just because you're a Christian, don't try to change your situation, even if it's painful. He says, we're... Uh, Were you a slave when you were called? He says, don't let it trouble you. Although, if you can gain your freedom, do so. I like that. He says, you know what? If you can get out of it ethically, if if God gives you an opportunity, a window, a door, to be able to break free from this trial, then you step through it. But if you can't, embrace it. Embrace it. But if the only way to get out of pain is to compromise your faith or to compromise your values, uh, then then uh, then you need to then you need to not do that. Boxing. This is kind of. I'm not a boxer or anything. I know Robert's a big boxer. I know there was a big game last night. Um, I think uh, the guy the guy kept his his title, right? Something like that, and uh, um, something like that. I don't know. I'm going to attempt to do a boxing illustration, and I don't know much about boxing, so good luck, Ted. Uh, I do know this about boxing, is that when you're getting the tar beat out of you, you know, a strategy, a natural strategy that sometimes occurs is is you, when the guy's just pounding you, you get, you don't, like, run, you don't get, you, you... You, you move in. You cl- you get you get closer. You get in. You get you move you move toward the guy who's beating your brains in. You keep your gloves up. But and then if you can get close enough and you're really getting pounded, you you embrace the guy. You just put your you just em- Because then he can't like, you know, he's still hitting you, but the blows aren't as hard because you just kind of put yourself in a position where you've embraced it instead of leaving yourself open. And I think a lot of times God is saying, you know what, you're feeling like you're getting pounded. You need to move towards it. If you can get out of it ethically, then do so. That's what Paul said. If you can, if you can get out of it, then do so. But if you can't, then just get in there, man. Get in there. Embrace it. The blows won't be so hard if you can just get a little closer. Get in there. See, here's the truth is that God will allow you to have more than you can handle. That's the truth. Well, well, God won't give you more than He can than you can bear. That's not what it says. That's not what the Bible says. God will give you more than you can handle. Well, doesn't the Bible say that He won't give you more than you can bear? Well, let's take a look at that verse. It's 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 misunderstood. This is what it says in First Corinthians ten thirteen. It says, "And God is faithful. He will not let you do. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, He'll also provide a way out so that you can endure it." This is about temptation. This is about dealing with with sin in your life. This is not about bearing the the weight of a trial or burden. In fact, in life, you will go through situations that are more than you can bear alone. And it's in those times that you realize that you need to have a full dependency on God. You see, if you can bear the weight, then why do you need Jesus? God loves to give us more than we can bear because that's when we have to recognize that we can't do it alone. And we, it is in those times that we learn to trust Jesus. It's in those times that we learn to cast our cares, our burdens, our, our issues onto him. For he cares for us. His burden is light. And ours is heavy. He says, man, you can't carry that. You can't bear that. Throw it on me. Give it to me. It's then that we realize we need his help and that we learn to to trust him. And not in our ability. Let me put it this way. Should I, have you ever bought a couch that you could not move on your own? Anybody here bought a piece of furniture you could not move on your own? If you've ever bought furniture that you guaranteed have done that. Used to have, you know, back in the tube TV days, remember those? Before there were flat screen TVs. We had this like 37 inch tube TV. That thing was a backbreaker. And uh, man, we were like all about like moving our furniture around in our living room like every you know, a couple of years and stuff. We're like, let's move it over here, move over there. And and uh, <laughs> those tube TVs, man, they were like giants. And this thing was like this big around. It was like that fat, you know? And it was that this square. And then that it was like, so you're doing it like this. And I would like pick it up. And I'd be like, you know, like this, ah, whoa, you know? And my wife's like, you want me to help? No, I got it. Ah. You know, and I would make it over to the couch so we could move the armoire, which was a whole other piece of furniture you don't really have anymore. All you that bought those square armoires, how do you like your closet, you know? How do you like your little portable? For us, it's a jewelry holder. It's a massive jewelry holder. (laughs) It is, it is. And we'd move it, then I'd move it again. And I thought, you know what, why did I buy this? You know, we buy stuff that we can't bear because it's at those times that we realize we do need help and we can't bear them on our own. And we, you know, if, if, if when God gives you more than you can bear, it's for the purpose of giving you the opportunity to learn to trust him. It's learn to trust him. James 1. This is our main passage. This is where we're going to camp out for the next couple of minutes. James 1. Begin with verse 1. It says, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Now, we're about to read a passage about pain and suffering for a group of people. James, he says, I'm writing to these scattered 12 tribes of Israel. He's writing to Christians who, before this great revival broke out in the churches among the world, or in the world, the church was primarily made up of Jewish people. And when persecution broke out, they were scattered. So he's writing to hundreds of thousands of Christians who are now refugees, who have no homes. The only thing they have are the things that they can carry on their back and the clothes that they're wearing. He says, I'm about to tell you something. This is real people with real problems. People on the run who are hungry and homeless, carrying everything they have. This is what he says. He says, when you're going through... What you're going through. When you're going through trials and struggle, struggles and stress, he goes, know this. Verse 2, he says, I'm, all you that are on the run for your life who are in, who refugees, verse 2, consider that, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I'm like, really? We lost everything. You want me to consider it joy when I get sick, when I get cancer, when I my marriage falls apart, when my kids uh, don't want to talk to me anymore, when I get fired, when my car breaks down and you know we don't have any money, when, when, when my family, when my parents seem to be falling apart, when everything I believe in, God, really, you want me to consider it joy? He says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may mature, uh, be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if in the middle of all this, you still can't figure out, he says, and if you still don't know what's going on, if you lack wisdom about this, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. So three strange responses in that little passage on how we can deal with suffering. Okay? Three strange but powerful responses. The first one is this, a strange attitude. Rejoice. Rejoice. I think we can all agree that when we hear bad news, we don't go praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) My car just died. Thank you, Jesus. I'm getting evicted. Hallelujah. Getting fired. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. The AC breaks in the middle of summer. (laughs) Jesus, I rejoice. That's not exactly what we do, but this is what it says. I want you to notice this in James 1 and 3. It says, consider it pure joy because you know. I want you to realize this, is that when it comes to trials, it's all about how we think, not how we feel. It's about how we think, not how we feel. Joy is not based on our feelings, but the result of what we know. We know God is good. We know God is faithful. We know He is in control. And we know that we have a promise if we are His kids of an eternity of hope. We have a hope and we look and know and look forward to that. Our perspective changes. This is what James 1, six. he goes on to say this. He says, But if you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind, by his environment. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. He was talking to that in relation to dealing with struggles. I want you to realize this. A lot of us are like, Jesus, I'm in. No, I am out. Thank you, Jesus. You're good. Wait a minute, Jesus. Where are you? I thought you were good. And then all of a sudden, man, I love my job. And then I want to quit my job. Same day. I love my family. Thank you, Lord. And then I wish I had a different family. Jesus, where are you? See, that double-mindedness, the Bible says that kind of person is unstable in all of their ways, in all that they do. Because they can't grab a hold of their thinking. We forget that... Our, our environment is basically a sounding board for our emotions. Let me put it this way. We can't control our feelings, but we can control our thoughts. Feelings are real. They're not to be avoided. And when you hurt, you need to consider it or know that God has something better for you because you know the result. It's like this. If you've ever gone through boot camp, if you're in the military, man, it is painful. You know the pain. But you know the result. An athlete, man, they're beating the pavement. They're getting up before the sun comes up. And they're running. And it's painful that they know the result. It's, they consider the pain as a joy. Jesus, even on the cross, it says he considered the joy that was set before him. What? what? He was getting beaten and crucified and nails in his, in his hands and whipped and spears. How? What's the joy he saw? It was you. The joy that was set before him was you. He saw you. He had you in mind. And that joy is what was his lifeline during that cross. It was the joy that set before him. He knew what he was doing. He had a perspective that was different. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, Cast down those thoughts that oppose the mind of Christ. Bring every thought into captivity. It's about choosing to think differently. I have here a... Smoke detector. This is a smoke alarm, and uh, if uh, if I burn my toast, that's what I hear, right? Some of you guys hear that all the time, right? <laughs> and then you can't shut it off, right? I say you burn your toast, okay? Uh, let's just say that you you have a little, you have a grease fire takes a while let's just say that you uh, you throw something in the trash and, and it, your trash catches on fire right and 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 if if for some reason you're out of the house and, and something happens and there's an, an electrical outlet that goes bad and your house catches on flames just before it reaches that smoke detector the smoke alarm is doing here's the deal whether it's burnt toast or your kitchen's on fire you hear the same beep you hear the same beep. You see, our emotions are a lot like this smoke detector. And For some of us, and, you know, smoke alarms are different. Some of them are, like, ultra sensitive. You just, you just barely, you know, normal food will set the alarm off, right? You're cooking on the oven, and, and you hear this. You know how I many of you have a smoke alarm that does that? You're just barely cooking. And then there are some you, like, literally have to practically catch the thing on fire in order for it to go off. Some, have a, some of us have a have a real sensitive emotional response to suffering. And some of us are, are kind of a little bit harder when it comes to the emotional response of suffering. But here's the deal. This sound is our emotions. And our emotions are valid. They're real. But at some point, you have to turn the beep off and deal with the situation. You have to... Purposely choose that you're going to now respond to the problem and not just make noise all the time. There's some of us in this room that this is all we do. We just, you know, our kids are giving us a little problem. Didn't get that parking spot. That person at work got all the credit for work that I did that test that I worked really hard on, it got switched and I failed, right? Or I get fired. Or my husband is out with somebody and he didn't call me and the dinner was ready and my kids aren't home and nobody loves me and nobody cares for me and I went to the doctor and I feel sick and oh. You know, at some point, you just have to turn the alarm off and choose to deal with the situation. That's funny, is it? For some of us, we make the same amount of Emotional response and stress, as we do to a small problem, is the big problems, because we're we're different. We respond differently, and then emotions aren't bad. But here's what Paul says: He says, "Don't just make noise." He says, "Those feelings, those are God things." I believe that. He says to rather consider it joy, because you know, because you know, you're going to deal with it. How do you rejoice? Well, choose to be grateful. Have a thankful heart. There's always something to be thankful for, no matter what it is, no matter what you're going through. Whether you're a persecuted Christian in some place in the world, you have something to be thankful for. This will change your life. This passage right here, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18. It says, rejoice always. That means in every circumstance, be thankful or, or have a, a reason, re, re Joyce, the word there is joy. We're going to rejoy again. We're going to focus on what we know, not rather let our experiences of what happened dictate our happiness, but rather we're going to have joy based on what we know. He says, rejoice in every circumstance, pray continually. That means have an attitude that when something breaks out, you sound the alarm on your knees with God. Is it no matter what happens, no matter what you're going through, the response is, why God? But God, I'm going to take it to you and trust you. It's an attitude. And then 18, you rejoice, you take it to God. And 18, you give thanks in all circumstances, finding something to be grateful about. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I tell you, some of us are naturally negative people. Some of you are naturally negative, and, and, and you need to choose to rejoice. You need to choose to immediately pray about that. You need to choose to be thankful and grateful. Here's the second response is this. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, that perseverance finishes its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Here's the tra- a strange response. Embrace. The benefits you, first of all, you have a strange attitude. You rejoice. And then a strange response. You embrace the benefits embracing what we can't ethically get rid of can change us for good. You might want to write this down. It's coming. It's going to be here. If you can't get out of it, we might as well get something out of it. If you can't get out of it, you might as well get something out of it. And the Bible says, if you will embrace your trials, If you can't ethically get out of them and you embrace them, guess what? You're going to be stronger on the other side. This is what Romans 5 says. We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And the perseverance produces character. And the character produces hope. And this hope does not put us to shame or does not and will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know what the benefits of trials are? Some of you guys are in the middle of a trial. You know what the benefit is? You know what the good thing about that is? Is this. It's going to build character. It's going to build confidence. It's going to build endurance. It's going to build patience. It's going to build maturity. It's going to build hope. The end result is a beautiful change. Some of you are like, God, I just went out of this. God says, no, because I like who it's making you inside of it. You know, I was like, we're like a tube of toothpaste and, you know, you just hold the tube and it's like, oh, cool. But when you squeeze it, all the good comes out, right? What's really inside of you (sighs) comes out. And that's the second thing is that uh, it's the third. And and second is uh, suffering teaches us obedience. But the third is it reveals what's inside. It, It reveals our true faith. And then the fourth thing is that suffering creates empathy, our ability to help others. I tell you, I had a fight with cancer, some of you guys know, in 2009, and, and I probably learned more about myself in that one year and a half than I have my entire life. My response, my wife's response, shaped us in ways we never, ever imagined. And some of you have been there. You know how it shaped you. And I am, and I am still to this day thankful that we had that experience. And I look back at it as one of the best years of our life. It was such a turning point for me inside of me trying to be in charge and trying to fix everything to a complete total and surrender to what God has for me. And that happened because of the trial that I went through. It shaped me into the person I am today. It's easy to obey when there's no cost, but we find the true value of what God's called us to do when it costs us something. They, they show what's inside of us. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says that our trials prove the genuineness of our faith. Some of you, you play a pretty good game at church today. Some of you are sitting here, you're keeping a seat nice and warm. Maybe you got your Bible out, you're looking on, you're taking notes, but you know what? The first sign of trouble, you're out, baby. Because those trials show who's really in and who's really out. They prove the genuineness of your faith. You know, it's been said, you don't know what's inside the tea bag until you put it in hot water. God likes to put us Allow us to be put in hot water. And there's the last thing, it creates empathy. Your pain prepares you to help others. 2 Corinthians 13 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we may comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. All the best lessons I have, all the best things I ever tell people, Anything that I can tell others that's of value, the best stuff come out of what's been birthed in my life through pain and suffering, through failures, through trials. The benefits are rewards for others. Embrace them. Here's the last thing, and I want to pray for you, is remember, he's talking to refugees on the run who are going through trials. This is what he says. He says, not only rejoice, he says, not only embrace, but he says this, and if you still don't understand, if any of you lacks wisdom or understanding, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it, will, and it will be given to you. Here's the strange prayer. He didn't say, pray, God, get me out of it, though there's nothing wrong with that. He said, God, pray, help me, God, to understand it. God, help me to understand this. Lord, give me wisdom. See, our first response is usually run, get me out of But you know, you need to ask for deliverance and you need to seek for wisdom. Think about it this way. God, I don't like this. Well, uh, God, show me what's going on here. God, show me how to bring you honor in the middle of this. God, show me how this will develop me in my character. God, show me how I can draw close to others during this. One prayer that he does not tend to answer when you're going through a trial is why? God, why? Sometimes the voice is very silent on that one because we won't always know why. But we can know some wisdom and understand what it's doing and how it's changing us. So I want us to to close our time right now with, with doing those things right now. If you can get out of it, you might as well. But if you can't, then embrace it and choose to rejoice, embrace the benefits and ask God to teach you about it when you're going through it. Let me pray for you. Let's take a moment to, to give our trials to the Lord because he cares for you. He cares deeply about what you're going through and what you're doing. Your smoke alarm has been going off and it's time to turn it off and deal with it. It's time to choose to give that to Jesus, first of all. So I want you right where you're at, just think about what you're going through. Some of you, you don't have anything serious going through, and this is something that you can use later or maybe use for a friend. But some of you are going through suffering right now. You're going through a trial. You've just got some bad news. Or you're going through a difficult time in your home. You're going through a, a tough time physically in your body or your heart is feeling sad and lonely or you're just feeling depressed and you don't understand why and you're just praying and praying and you don't seem to get any relief and you don't seem to get any kind of answer as to why. And God says, you know what? Consider it joy because you know I have overcome the world and I am with you. And embrace this. Get as close as you can like the boxer is getting his head beat in. and clinch." That issue, and watch what God will work in you because of that. And then talk to Him, ask for deliverance, but seek wisdom. Take a moment right now, just to talk to Jesus. You're thinking about your issue, your problem, your your family, your marriage, whatever, your job, your finances, and say, God, I'm, I'm giving it to you. I'm releasing it to you. I don't blame you. I, I, I just give it to you, Father. I don't understand. Some of, the, some of the most important things we can ever learn is that sometimes we just won't have answers, and, but we need to have trust. God, here's my heart, my pain, my struggles, my failures, my sin, my insecurities, my doubt. Give me the grace to endure. Give me the grace, the strength, the character, the perseverance. God, give me the hope. Give me the joy. Comes with only a trial can bring. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If my phone number is in the worship guide, I'd love to talk with you some more. If you're going through a, a struggle, a trial, or something painful, and you really need to talk to somebody today, I'm going to be around to talk. My wife will be, some of our leaders and elders, and Sean will be around. And uh, we'd love to give you some encouragement about that. Um, The Lord is with you. He cares for you. If you're his kid, he's got you. If you're not his kid, then you can make that choice today at any time by saying, Jesus, here's my life, here's my heart, here's my sin, forgive me, take my life. I believe that you are the Messiah who's come to save me, rescue me. However you want to say, it doesn't have to be like that. Just surrender your life, your sin, your future to Christ. He will receive you as a child of his own. And he will walk with you through the most difficult days of your life. And he will never leave you. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.